Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm here with uh, with Zach. Can you hear me on my mic? I can hear you loud and clear. Yep. Okay, good. So I've got uh, Zach's here with me. So and um, we we're recording. He's basically like recording me talking. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All course. right. Primarily what we want to highlight is why the direction that Sorba has gone is the direction that machine learning vendors need to be going. So like stop using the Accenture group and bringing in consultants who are going to build these machine learning models. They build everything up in AWS or Azure and yeah, and everything is manual. These are static model builds and they won't scale across the business. The expectations have not been set effectively. The machine learning mechanism is not closed loop. Yours is a more, I already call it closed loop. It's not completely closed loop, but it's mostly closed loop. And we want to go from that angle that that's really the angle that we want to use. Cause what we, at the end of the day, what we want people to walk away from is there's a huge difference between building machine learning from scratch and using a platform that is for deploying machine learning for industry. All right, so what so what are what are your ideas for how we can collaborate together? So beyond that point. Yep. Hey guys, what's happening? Uh, thank you for tuning in to this Intellic Integration live stream. And today we're going to be with uh, ITG Technologies and we're going to uh, be taking a look at Sorba AI. So here's Sorba AI, simple, complete enterprise IoT solution. So if you guys are interested in that, stay tuned for this entire live demo. Um, as always, we are here with Walker Reynolds, uh, 4.0 Solutions Architect. Walker, thank you. Howdy, howdy. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited about this this demo because this is the first time that most of our our audience is going to get a chance to um, peek under the hood of Sorba IoT, which we talk about all the time as a best in class solution. Yes, yes, and uh, we have Aldo Ferrante with uh, ITG Technologies. Aldo, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. All right, guys, uh, I just wanted to say that this podcast is powered by 4.0 Solutions and a special shout out to Mohammed Atif, who is in the live chat. Uh, he's I promoted him as a moderator for jumping into the stream and to engage with you guys. So uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way. So um, Aldo, uh, if you want to take it from here, you know, give us the rundown of Sorba IoT platform and and how it can, you know, provide value to an industrial 4.0 digital transformation machine learning AI, you know, let's do it, man. All right. Well, thanks, Zach. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for giving me the platform today to uh, talk about Sorba. Everybody, I'm assuming, can see my screen. Um, what, what I wanted to talk about is uh, really that Sorba platform is a suite of applications that is designed specifically for industrial applications around hey, the whole I idea. Aldo, yes, sir. are you sharing your screen? Are you sharing your screen? He's going to have to share his screen right, again. Uh, okay, sorry about that, guys. Uh, let me just yeah. make sure. I, that was my bad. When I, when I shared my screen at the beginning, it took over control of your screen share. Okay, let me open that up. And let me see here. Thanks, Walker. Man, good, you know, share my screen. Dude, what do you think about the beer right. coming in? <laughs> Thank How you, Aldo. Oh, looking beautiful. We see your PowerPoint of tools in the belt. All right. So the um, I want to start off with this slide just to give you a an idea of the different applications. As I mentioned, it is specifically designed for industrial applications. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of IoT platforms in the in the world in the industry. And a lot of them focus on different verticals, but we specifically look at machinery, industrial equipment, 
uh, both in the uh, predictive maintenance side of the, uh, of the solution, as well as the process optimization. So whatever your goal is to use IoT and to use industrial uh, uh, the, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, the, the idea is to build this entire pipeline from the source, which is typically your machine, to the end result, which is some type of either dashboard for digital visualization or some type of prediction, whether you're trying to predict machine uptime or downtime or predict performance, whether you're trying to optimize for meeting certain objectives like uh, increase yield or increase efficiency or reduce fuel consumption. Whatever your uh, motivation or your objectives are, our platform can address many of those uh, requirements. And so it really consists of these six applications. The IoT platform itself is the core, is what we call the operating system of the entire Sorba platform, and it's where everything comes together. So everything in, in gets ingested into the platform and it leaves the, the IoT platform either to a dashboard or to some type of machine learning agent that is doing some type of predictions. The, the SDC is the edge platform. One of the very important key components to the Sorba platform is that it is designed primarily around an edge platform. And edge means that you have some sort of compute inside your production area or next to the equipment or, or machine where it's collecting information as well as predicting some type of an event. So having the edge ability does a lot of things that will help to enhance the system. First of all, you don't require the cloud in order to make a, a, uh, an action or prediction. A lot of the collection and the prediction, as I mentioned, is done on the edge. So therefore, the dependency on the cloud is minimized and the cost of both transferring that data, processing that data in the cloud becomes, in some cases, becomes, doesn't become optimal. So having the ability to do things on the edge is very, very important. But if you want to do strictly cloud-based, the ability for Sorba, it's very flexible in that sense that you can either do only edge or only cloud or a hybrid of both. That's one of the advantages that we found is very exciting about Sorba. The, the uh, Big Data Historian is a time series repository. It's very typical to most historians that you see out there. The biggest difference with our historian is that it is very scalable. It's based on big data. There are two types of storage systems that are on the platform. What we call our cold and hot data. Our hot data is built around the Cassandra open source. That is a very scalable uh, repository and it's used to really build out uh, globally and very, very wide uh, data repositories for storing any type of data. Uh, Cassandra is used quite a bit. Um, it was developed originally by Facebook. Uh, Netflix uses Cassandra to host and to store and provide uh, video content to their customers. So we don't require, the server platform doesn't require a hosted Cassandra. When you buy the platform, on-prem, it comes with its own standalone Cassandra cluster. The cold data is using the Hadoop, uh, the Hadoop data clustering system for its uh, processing. So any type of processing of information for machine learning, that's done on a Hadoop cluster. The management platform itself is really the key that we see as a gap in the industry today. Having someone do their own machine learning models, if you're a Python or R developer and you're developing some machine learning algorithms, typically when you develop those algorithms, you have to manage them. You have to find a way to, how do you integrate them to the factory floor? This is really the key. A data science project from a machine learning practitioner, they're gonna have to build all that piping, all that data pipeline. And then they're gonna have to manage that algorithm and they're gonna have to retrain that algorithm that entire management piece becomes not a, not a problem when you're talking about two or three algorithms, but when you're talking about thousands and thousands of algorithms on a typical paper machine that we're currently engaged with, there's several thousand algorithms on a single section of a paper machine, converting line and some of the other sections, it could be almost over 10,000 different algorithms. So you could imagine trying to manage that many algorithms, that many agents, becomes a, a really total cost of ownership nightmare. Uh, and Digital Twin is really a, another version of the machine learning platform 
that allows you to create predictive models, digital models of your process. And what do you use them for? We'll use them for all sorts of things like process optimization, to do types of what if scenarios on your process, very, very helpful. So I didn't wanna to go too much into the PowerPoint, I just wanted to give you a quick overview. And then uh, one last slide I'll show you before my overview slide is the edge, edge device. One of the other key things that Sorba offers, which I thought was really exciting, is the fact that it has itself contained with all of the communication drivers to talk to your devices, to your PLCs, to your IOs, to your drives, so you don't need something like a Kepware or any type of additional automation layer to connect to those devices. So things like Ethernet IP, Profinet, uh, Modbus TCP, as well as TwinCat from Beckoff and about a dozen or so different other drivers that is offered on the platform. But it's very scalable. So if you can imagine, you take, for example, a standalone machine, compressor or pump, or any type of SCID, uh, SCID device that you want to be able to provide intelligence that is built into that system, that SDC is a Linux-based OS that could run standalone on a compute platform that could be mounted directly into the control panel. So that's pretty hey, exciting. Uh, now so you can have, yep. Aldo, for, for the drivers that aren't covered on the edge device, so you said mm -hmm. there's a dozen or so, you know, there's, in my experience, you know, to be all encompassing, you really need probably about 300 drivers altogether, right? To, to cover. So does, does uh, that edge device talk MQTT, uh, OPC UA? Uh, so it, it, and, and it can be an OPC UA client against another. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, okay. OPC UA has been typically how we connect. And the main reason as customers already have, either Kepware or some type of OPC server. So that's typically how we connect. And the reason I bring up the built-in drivers, like for example, if you have like a standalone compressor or generator or some type of equipment that is not built into your infrastructure, the ability to connect the device directly to, to that through some type of industrial protocol, that's really the, the advantage of that. But at MQT- Aldo, can I jump in? The standard. Oh, yeah, go ahead. OEMs as well, OEMs as well. So it, absolutely drivers makes it possible for OEMs to ship their equipment IOT ready. So sort, mm -hmm. sort of IOT plug and play. I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge bud, Zach. Sorry. Yeah. I want to just jump in and uh, ask a question and also engage sure. uh, the 10 of us that are listening on live, uh, the live chat to leave your questions down below. But so what type of systems um, like SCADA or MES systems, like, you know, the big three or like what, or, you know, inductive factory studio, like what type of software systems are you seeing in these architectures that use the Sorba IOT platform? Like what does it play, um, play well with in your experience? So um, in terms of control platforms, obviously the, the big, like the Rockwells and the Siemens of the world for the SCADA platforms, it's ignition, uh, wonderware, uh, some factory talk as well. I would say not, not as much in the factory talk, but, those typical systems, uh, which are, they're designed for doing their SCADA functions. But we also like to push the concept of smart SCADA. So the ability to take this particular edge platform, and that could be in the form of a hardware or as a virtual machine. In some cases, people want to run these on computers. That edge platform with the intelligence of making predictions and running machine learning models adds a component to the SCADA system to add intelligence. So intelligent SCADA, we see it as a big opportunity where a lot of that data, right, is centralized. The SCADA mm -hmm. system is really the key to a, a plant operations. So having that bolt-on intelligence is a, is a big advantage for, for this platform. Here's a, here's a question coming in. Why, why should I care about machine learning and AI? And then Walker, you know, your question. Um, so what we usually, what, the way we approach uh, a customer is to say, well, what are some of the things that you would like to see solutions to that you cannot solve with the traditional tools today? And so the things that we get asked about is, of course, reducing downtime. Reducing downtime and then I need to reduce my raw materials or I need to increase my efficiency. Well, how, how, are, how do they approach that? You take a dashboard. You, you visualize some data and you try to analyze through, through the person that best understands the process 
they're trying to look at data and trying to make decisions based off of that data. With machine learning and AI, it has the ability to take that intelligence and to put it into an algorithm or an agent. And for example, if now I want to be able to minimize downtime, if I can model behavior of a piece of equipment and look at anomalies, so if I can train a model to say, I want you to understand how this machine normally runs, and if it sees any type of uh, abnormal conditions, I want to be notified of it. The typical operator can only visualize so much information and process so much information with his eyes. On a paper machine, I'll take that example, you could have 10,000 different IO points. It's a nightmare for anybody, even with 30 years experience, to understand what's going on in that equipment. Machine learning helps to give you better insight with a lot of data that, and a lot of moving parts. If it's a very simple machine, of course, any, anybody can, you know, enough time can analyze. But when you're talking about hundreds or thousands of data points yeah. with just trillions you're, of input, that's I, I, I totally problem. get it. You know, I understand. But that was a very technical explanation. And I don't yeah, think I, unless, I, unless you're an engineer, yeah, so you're machine, not going to get that, you know? Yeah, why? But it was, it was factually machine, correct, you know? Here's, here's why machine learning and AI matter. In fact, let's not even talk about the AI part. Let's just talk about why machine learning matters, okay? Mm -hmm. Machine learning algorithms can see relationships that the human eye cannot see. It can process a volume of data humans simply cannot process. That's the reason machine learning matters, okay? You mm -hmm. can take, you can t the, the and, and here's a perfect example, and we'll use a consumer environment. The reason Tesla's self-driving technology matters is not so cars can drive by themselves. It's so that cars can prevent humans from making mistakes that will kill themselves. At the end of the day, every Tesla out on the road is learning, is learning how to stay safe. It's learning how to predict accidents. It is learning how to adjust the brakes and the suspension system so that you don't smash into the car that slammed their brakes on. So rather than mm -hmm. having the car take over for you, it, start, it becomes drive assist. The car prevents you from putting yourself in a position of killing yourself. That's why machine learning. That's why machine learning matters. The at the end of the day, the, or your business from killing yourself. That's right. You put a NASCAR driver next to Tesla's self-driving technology, and in the the NASCAR driver with the fastest reflexes a human humanity humanity can provide will never be able to perform at the level that self-driving will be able to provide. Per, um, Format and so the the answer to that question is the reason you need to care about machine learning and AI is because your mm -hmm. competitors will and if you don't Correct. they will have a they will have an advantage that you cannot overcome through using human really ultimately at the end of the day matters Thank I interesting fact, I want to I want to drive home one other point all right you know when Siri first came out. And we're going to talk, we're going to do the Siri and Alexa thing, you know, we're going to, within that context, we want to kind of keep it in the consumer context. When Siri originally came out, um, the, you know, voice recognition is machine learning. So you could walk into a room and say, hey, anybody who had a phone, who had an iPhone would respond to you because the machine learning algorithm hadn't learned to accurately determine who was saying, hey, Siri, at that time. But now, over the course of two years, my, all my children, my wife, everyone, they try to activate my Siri, and I try to activate their Siri, and, I, and we simply cannot. That is machine learning. Machine learning makes my phone smarter just by putting my voice into it. And that's, not, mm -hmm. that's something humans cannot do. We don't have the storage and we don't have the ability to analyze that many variables. We don't have the, computes, we don't have the processing power. And, and some of these relationships, some of the relationships between process variable A, control variable B, are so um, tenuous, they're so subtle that the human eye can't see them, where over long, over huge swaths of data, can identify relationships we could never mm -hmm. see with the naked eye. I so love how we're fo we focus our improvements on the stuff we can see. And yeah. machine learning is going to reveal to us things we can't see.
that was a I love how you guys both answered that question. Um, Walker, I know you had a question, but I wanted to ask, you know, we understand now why machine learning and AI matters. We understand, you know, the technical, uh, you know, components that make up Sorba IoT. But like, I'm curious, how easy is it to like get started? What are the barriers to entry? And yeah, uh, I, wa- I want to hit Walker's I question. One quick question, Aldo. Will you your your uh, screen share dropped? Will you share your screen again? Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I, I want to point I want to point something out. So when people ask me, "Hey Walker, why are you so high on Sorba IoT? I mean, what's the reason that you're you're all excited?" <laughs> the answer to the the answer to your question is is for me, there's um, you do you guys do a great job of talking about the difficulties of getting a machine learning uh, program started, right? Um, because you've got to hire a bunch of data scientists and you have no guarantee of success, right? And data scientists are expensive. They also have no knowledge of your business. They have, they're not controls people. They don't even know how to connect to a PLC. So you got to have a bunch of resources to do that for you. What sets Sorba IoT apart, okay, honestly, from all of everything else out there is the fact that the brains are in the cloud or the brains are in the platform, but you can take you the, the these edge devices here, the smart data collectors can they, they, they basically get their brains constantly updated from the platform mm-hmm. and and your machine runs based on the knowledge that that lives inside that smart. But sets Sorba apart is that. You've got all this brain power. It's just that that smart data collector is my Tesla on the road. It's mm-hmm. sharing. It's learning from Tesla's machine learning in the cloud. It's sharing with Tesla's machine learning in the cloud, but it's operating on board. It's not relying on. It's not relying on processing power that's living in the cloud. And you touched that already. But th- this is something that's fundamentally different between the Sorba platform and everything else that's out there. So it would be a good illustration to just put like Sorba and then Tesla cloud and then like a, you know, a model three down on the edge. Cause that's essentially the architecture that you're saying. And that's how it's correct. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. Cause this, this is a little bit complicated, you know, like your average person who's not a controls engineer is going to just get overwhelmed by this graphic. But I understand this is a more technical, technical like presentation, but no, that's my two cents. Yeah. I, I, I would like to add to just the whole, the way the, the industry is moving, where, where it all started off is building these very large cloud infrastructures, putting all this information in the cloud, taking this big data and trying to process it to, to create these smart, these smart models. Well, where the future is going with this technology is this edge device, it's going to be able to learn in real time. So rather than trying to collect all this information and store it and process it. The way the industry is going is the edge platform will take over the cloud computing. And the reason I say that is reinforcement learning, which is a way to, to really learn in real time online as the, as the machine that's running is going to learn. Very similar to a, an infant child. How does a baby learn how to walk? Well, it tries to get up. It, it loses its balance. It trips. Eventually, it figures out how to move its legs and walk. So very similar to what reinforcement learning will do in the future is it will be able to do this real-time learning process that you won't need to have this very large infrastructure. That's why we feel that Sorba has that, that the edge, I, no pun intended, but it, it has the, uh, the, 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 the actual opportunity to create these algorithms in real time. And again, the reason I get technicals because I've done this the, the hard way is to code and to build uh, code myself. And it's, if you're a good coder, you can do it, but it takes a lot of work. And what we've done or what Sorba's done is to make this tool that a typical uh, engineer doesn't have to have machine learning ability or a data science background can build their own models to solve a problem. And I will tell you that in addition to trying to, to make that Tesla work on its own, the other key thing that we found in the industry is that the aging population is a big factor. A 30-year-old operator has the intelligence to know exactly what's going on with this machine, with this That's process. Right. Taking that 30-year-old operator and he retires, what happens to him? That knowledge walks out the door with that operator. 
the ability to machine learning is to contain that knowledge in these smart algorithms and keep them with the system and with the enterprise, it's huge. And then to retrain those algorithms, I mean, there's really, there's no price that you can put on that to retrain people, to get them to understand it's a big effort. So that's another advantage of machine learning is to contain that knowledge, to contain that, that specific industry knowledge. I just wanted to point Aldo, that out. Oh, is there... I, 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 Aldo, can you go ahead and share your screen again and drop again? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm the one doing that because when we're sharing the screen, they can't see us. So if we go into a okay. session, I just I stopped sharing it for you so then the audience can see us. But one question is if there's like a link to a resource, um, mm -hmm. like perhaps like a of a case study of like a, a subtle or surprising relationship uncovered by machine learning, like an example. Is there mm -hmm. one of those, like we'll put it in the description below? Uh, absolutely. I'll, right. I'll have, uh, I'll have AJ. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, so here, so before you, before you do the actual demo, I want to go ahead and, mm -hmm. and talk about a use case for machine learning in industry. Okay. okay. Here, here is a use case machine learning algorithm that I wrote. Okay. The problem was, um, we want to know, um, uh, we want to know when to change our tooling on our machine, on, on our lathe. Okay. Um, essentially we want to know when's the optimal time to change the tooling on our lathe. And that optimal time of changing the tooling is a function of a lot of different variables, right? Um, what's the quality of the product that we're producing? What's the performance of the machine we're running at? What is internal temperature? Um, and what is uh, uh, OEE um, performance, quality, and availability? Um, so we wrote an algorithm that essentially just, uh, the machine learning algorithm that essentially, all it did initially was just learn the relationships. It learned the machine. That is, at, at you know, what is the relationship between the temperature of the tooling, OEE, mm -hmm. uh, the number of downtime events, the quality of the parts that are being produced. And then what we did was we used that machine learning algorithm to try and accurately determine when is the best time to change the tooling when we're running this product on this machine using tooling from this, this uh, vendor. And, and that's a use determine that by looking at all the data, spread it out on their desk and try to look at it over time. Y you know, we weren't even accurate, by the way. We couldn't accurately predict tooling failure, it took almost two years. It took two years of data for us to be able to accurately predict uh, tooling failure. And the more data we have, the, the more we can accurately predict it. The, mm -hmm. the problem with the way we did it, and I'm not a data scientist, is that I wrote, excuse my French, bastard code to do it. Code, one-off code that's not object-oriented, it's not reusable, I can't I can't build another object on top of it that can consume it. It's just me building one-off static bastard code. The advantage of the Sorba platform is that because you're using this, the development environment that you know basically any engineer can create these models, they are creating object models. They're not creating bastard code. Therefore, your models can be consumed by uh, later on down the road. And real machine learning is going to be not just the input, input processing output, it's going to be input processing and output to another machine learning model, to another machine learning model that's consuming the outputs from many, many machine learning models. That's the long term. The long term is that. But not only not that, one model. not only that, that's why with our mission with 4.0 solutions is to get OEM software, you know, OEMs and hardware, you know, like SCID OEMs using the same iot platform for machine learning so then that two years if that's just using machines that are owned by one corporation if that oem implemented the same machine learning uh, you know solution across all of its mm -hmm. you know all of its customers installations then that two years could turn down into like months because you know the data right. scales across you know all of those machines and you could basically everyone's getting better in the process you know we're moving society forward to do more with less Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll share you too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aldo. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to add that what, one of the things that I did, just similar to what you did, is built my own little Python script to do machine learning algorithm. 
I thought I had a great model and I put it online and it kept giving me false positives. It kept giving me the wrong, the wrong output or the wrong prediction. Well, I, I, I soon found out that when you have a very high score in a machine learning model, that's sometimes not a good thing because a very high score, sometimes you can overfit the model and people don't realize that if you overfit the model, what happens is that's trying to make exact replication of you, of what you're trying to classify. And the ability for machine learning is to generalize. It needs to generalize enough that it knows the bad from good. And if it fits too much on the, on what you're trying to classify, it's, it, it eventually doesn't do what it's designed to do. So having that, that fine tuning or the tuning, the hyperparameters, these are all parameters that you have to know how to tune in a machine learning pipeline. That is where the challenge comes with most data scientists and machine learning practitioners. What are the best tuning parameters to give you the result that's going to give you the best prediction? And that's the ability of Sorba. It does that for you in the background, mm -hmm. and it does all of the hyperparameter tuning for you. That is where, as a person trying to learn this stuff, I'm going, I don't have to deal with all that other stuff. Let the, let the platform all right, take Aldo, care of it. These, these guys, they're saying they want to see a live demo to see how easy it is for a controls Let's engineer can create a machine okay. learning model in Sorba. Okay. So what I'm going to show you here, as, and if you see my diagram, um, the, the, the Sorba SDC, the Edge platform, is where it connects to the real world, connects to your PLCs, your I.O., your historian, your SCADA, whatever the data source is. And then the, the, the Sorba platform itself, this is where we're going to train the model. So we, we collect the data, we then push it into the Sorba platform, we then use that history to then train it. You need history in order to build a machine learning algorithm. So once we train that model, then we take what we call the Sorbot. It's an agent, it's an algorithm that it creates, and that gets deployed back down to the SDC, and it connects in real time, ingesting that, that sensor data, and it's making real time predictions. And if a, a, a failure occurs or whatever you're trying to predict, it then sends up that prediction, and then from there you can send an email, you can turn on an alarm on the SCADA screen, whatever way that you want to be able to handle that prediction. So what I'm going to show you is, uh, let's jump into the demo. Uh, let me see here. Okay. So on the, on the right side, on the left side, this is the actual Sorba platform itself. This is where you set up the system. Uh, every, every customer has their own tenant, so they have, they can configure how many assets they want and how many tags and how many models. So you basically design the system through this hierarchy. It's just very similar to like an asset framework. On the right side is the actual uh, SDC. So you can see they're both web-based. So what I'm gonna do here, show you how to configure an asset and how to configure tags that will come to the actual edge device itself. So on the edge device, you see here I have, I have several assets here that I've just arbitrarily named, turbine, BFD and whatnot. And on, this, on the platform, it will give you the same uh, actual inputs or the same mimic of what's on that SDC. So what I do in where, here- can you, can you show us where it's connected? Aldo, can you also um, make the the web page increased zoom a little bit? Like, it seems to be uh, increase the actual resolution or just maximize it. Um, no, like just uh, the web page on like the Chrome browser looks like it's scaled down a little bit. That little magnifying glass in the bar, yeah, zoom in a little bit. How about that? Yeah, that that's better? better for the the guys watching the live stream, guys and gals. No problem. Yeah, can you can yeah, you show us where where you configure the SDC to connect to the Sorbo platform? Okay, so the SDC itself, the way it connects to the Sorbo platform is, let me go up here. I have to zoom it out just a little bit here. Okay, so in in the uh, right here, where we have the comm service, this is the tie-in to the to the IoT world. So over here is where you set up what type of protocol. So I'm using MQTT and I'm connecting okay. it to our Sorba broker. We have an MQTT broker where it's uh, ingesting the data from the SDC, but you can also pick uh, HTTP or HTTPS and it's using certificate based. So it's encrypting the data as it gets transferred. Um, and this is all happening. It's pushing. So you don't, there's no firewall issues in terms of having to open up a port to come in. That's where you configure the IoT portion of it. 
you configure the Sorba itself, you configure this, the tags, and in the tags, you set up an asset with some tag groups. And then just like a SCADA system, you set up a tag. Here I'm setting up a current, and I'm, set, I'm telling this tag, I'm going to pull that, that uh, piece of data every once a second. And this particular one is tied to, uh, I'll show you in the channel here, it's tied to a Siemens uh, somatic drive. And it's got an IP address. We call it VFD is the channel name. And the tag itself is connected to that VFD channel. And there's the actual uh, somatic uh, address and parameters I need in order to pull the current from that drive. So I configured these tags just like I would any SCADA system. Once I, I apply this, the system automatically will send that data to the cloud. So in the cloud platform, I create a dashboard and you can see here that I've got this data and I can show you uh, that I've got the same data popping up here as well. So I'm looking at a VFD, I'm looking at speed, the same as I'm looking here. I'm looking at a few other data points, but I can easily click uh, and just show current. In this case, I can show current here as well. So I'm looking at the actual same data point as well. Let me just zoom that in. Up. So it's a little bit lower resolution on the cloud platform, but you can see it's higher resolution on the SDC. Depends on how often I'm pulling that data. Um, so that's, that's the how the system is connected. On the edge, correct, I'm pulling it a lot quicker. In addition to configuring your tags. And then you're reporting by yeah. exception with MQTT? Well, it, it, you can set that up. You can set up, yes, okay. by, in terms of uh, reporting, it's set up to send data whenever there is data in the queue. So as soon as it accumulates data, it will package it. It'll then send up a call to the platform and it'll push that data up to the cloud platform, which is a, a report okay. by exception. The actual uh, machine learning algorithms are, are in this location here. So in this particular SDC, I've got a, about seven, a, two dozen different algorithms. Some are predicting power. It's doing a regression model to tell me predicting power, frequency, voltage, and so on. I'm using this more as a, uh, uh, more of a digital twin. I'm trying to create a digital twin in my VFD, as well as predict anomalies and some uh, failure events as well. Each algorithm is mapped to inputs, and these inputs are tied back to my my tags, my, my sensor points. And I've got an output that is the output of the model that is giving me the prediction. And this is another tag, and that tag could be sent back to the uh, dashboard, which I'm doing here, and here I'm predicting an anomaly. So this anomaly is the output of this particular algorithm here. What this is, this big sine wave is telling me, it's trying to predict and it's sending me a value between zero and 100%. So it's trying to decide between current, temperature, voltage, torque, and so on, what is, what is an abnormal condition? If this anomaly detection goes above 80%, that 80% threshold is when we send an alert to tell us there is an abnormal condition. So because the VFD is, is constantly moving back and forth, I've got this in a repetitive uh, ramp up and down mode, it's trying to decide. This gauge here at the bottom, that is the same output as this, and I'm displaying it as a gauge on my dashboard. And as you can see, it's going from 51% to 60%, but it never reaches the 80%. What I'm gonna have AJ do, if AJ, if you're still here, could you, he's gonna go up and press. Uh, in fact, if you don't mind, what I'll do is I'll, I'll turn on the camera so you can see it's not smoke and mirrors. Let me go turn on the uh, camera. If you can see my camera, give it a second here. Here we go. So you guys see it, AJ's pressing the drive now. Got it. Uh, right there. So go ahead and press. And what you're going to see is you're going to see that anomaly. Keep pressing it, AJ. Obviously, I've got a, I can't produce a, a bearing problem or a failure, so I've got to, I've got to be able to try to simulate that. And uh, what it'll do here, let me just click on that. Come on now. That drive might explode. <laughs> <laughs> 
You did press it? Oh, yeah. It's smoking. Kyle Anderson liked the digital assets uh, part of the presentation. Um, Miroslav is asking about pricing. And I want to know, you know, I'm ready to like get my hands on Sorba AI or maybe even, you know, have it installed. Who would I go talk to? Um, right now we, we go through our channel partners um, and the channel partner is set up to both uh, sell the subscription, it's all based on subscription model. And the way, the way it's priced out is based on how many algorithms or how many tags that you're processing. So it's very scalable. It could be uh, inexpensive uh, to a small application and it could scale up to you know, hundreds or thousands of models and, and tag points. Hey Aldo, I was gonna so really I was gonna ask you, hey Zach, yeah, we could always definitely have that conversation offline. Um, right now we're for the for those that are watching, uh, definitely looking to sign uh, Intellic as as a channel partner for the technology. And then for those that are probably trying to wonder the relationship between ITG and the Sorba technologies, ITG just being uh, the master channel partner. So thinking of like tech data where you go to tech data to buy Microsoft licenses. VMware licenses, same concept here here in North America. So where uh, where eventually Intellic will be uh, the main point of contact. What I was going to ask Aldo is if you could uh, maybe show the audience how do you even build a machine yeah. learning model. Th thanks for that, AJ. I th I know some people were probably wondering because I introduced you guys from ITG Tech on our uh, post, but I think ultimately 4.0 solutions. That's what Walker's vision is for 4.0 solutions. What were you going to say, Walker? Well, yeah, I just want to say in terms of the pricing, I've, when I first, when the, these guys first presented to us, um, I'm, I'm going to say six months ago, uh, they, uh, yeah. So on the, on the bottom end, it, the pricing is incredibly competitive. So you could, you could get started, you could get started and do a pilot and get your feet wet for, um, you know, less than buying a groove Epic. Okay, so I mean, it we're talking small numbers here, um, and that's but, not a stab at Opto Twenty Two because we love Opto Twenty Two. No, no. <laughs> yeah, we love Opto Twenty Two. But the point is, is that you can get started with Sorba and machine learning for a couple marginal costs. I mean, yeah, marginal cost. No, and and scale up as you need it, right? So as you decide you want to start deploying, you start scaling up. That that's the first thing. The second thing is is Sorba, ITG is the, um, they're, they're like the lead um, integrator. Think of it, you know, they're the experts right. uh, at Sorba. And what they're currently doing is creating more experts. Right, That's but they're also like, like equivalent of influencers, if you will. No, no right. doubt about it. So Intellic, Intellic integration and 4.0 solutions, our relationship is, hey, we're really impressed with this platform. We want to help you get it out there, right. and if it means we got to be a channel partner and and you know and 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 uh, you know start integrating with the platform and teaching people how to use it, then that's what we're going to do. Because right. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, of all the um, of all the machine learning solutions that I've seen out there, this is the first one that's the total package. I mean, it's the first one that is literally the full closed loop total package for industry. It's literally the first one I've seen. And um, it's impressive. It's definitely- Is there anything else you uh, want yeah. to show us, Aldo? Yeah, well, yeah. Can I show you really quickly how to train a model if we have some time? Yeah. Yep. So so I, really quickly, so I've, let's, let's assume that I'm, I've already collected this data. It's in the platform. Now, what I do next is I'm going to go into the training platform. So the first thing you do in the training, let me zoom this in so you guys can see it a little better, is uh, import that data. So what you do is you create a data set and you import that data either through a CSV. So if you've got a historian or if you've already got a, a file, I can import it through a CSV or directly through our historian. And our historian will automatically go into the entire platform and all your assets and expose all the data. You just pick which data points that you want to pull in and it'll create a data set, a training set. Once you have that training set in, in you, then you create a project. Let me point to a project here that is a training set for a VFD. 
So in this training set, I'm going to create an analysis. These are just different analysis that I've run already. And what I do is I'll give it a name. I'll just call it uh, analysis one, whatever it is. I'll click create analysis. What the wizard will do, it's now creating that machine learning pipeline for you. It's already tied to this data set, which is frequency, uh, current, power, speed, torque, and AC voltage. You can either pick these for your, for your training model, or you can leave it as is. You can also create uh, rules around uh, this particular data set, where if the, if the motor is above a certain frequency, then only train it when it's running. And a lot of times you want to train a model. You might not want to train that data when the machine's not running. So you can set that rule. If you, everything's okay, you click next. This is the important one here. Here's where you want to tell the system, what am I trying to do? There's three types of machine learning types that you do clustering. Clustering is what you do when you have unlabeled data. And what I mean by that, if I want to be able to learn what is, uh, what is the anomaly, what is the normal behavior of that machine, and try to highlight for me problems and anomalies that, that the algorithm can find, that's what clustering does. It's trying to group the data in these clusters that'll try to highlight what are those outliers in that data. And the other one is classification. Classification is when you're trying to train the model on a specific event, be it it's a failure event or quality event or some type of an event that you wanted the algorithm to learn. So that classification in, in, in supervised learning world, you have to specify the response variable. So you have to go into that column and put a one in all those records that you want the algorithm to train. You don't have to do that with this. You just import the actual event, whether it's an alarm event or a work order. And what the, what the system will do is it'll mark the data at that point in time that the alarm occurred and it'll train it on that alarm event. So if I have you know 100 alarms, I can tell the system, train it on those specific alarms and try to learn what those alarms are. And so if I pick one of those, it'll be able to train on that. Then the last one is regression. Regression is where you're predicting an output. So if I want to predict what is my OEE or what is my, what is my efficiency, or what is my production rate, regression is a way to create a variable output prediction. So those are the three. What's interesting here with the platform is that you can either pick an algorithm from here or leave it an auto-select. Let the system decide what is the best algorithm, what are the best hyperparameters. I'm just have, I don't have to do anything. Just click next, next, and then it's training. So right now it's doing all the heavy number crunching, all of the auto-tuning hyperparameter. And what you get when this thing is done, it usually takes about, a, depends on the data model, depends on the, the data, could take anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours, depending on how large the data sets. That's really where most of the heavy lifting is. At the end of the model, at the end of the training, what you get is here's your raw data. So that VFD is cycling up and down. And what the model will do is it'll try to find those anomalies. So this uh, anomaly score, what it's telling me is that this 60 or below 60% uh, percent is a normal condition. When it starts to peak above 80, that's telling us, aha, it found an anomaly here. So what I can do is zoom in to that particular anomaly and what you'll see in the waveform, you'll kind of see it gets a little distorted and you can see a little distortion of that waveform. That could be me holding the, 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 you know, the shaft or tapping on it, whatever the case is, it was able to highlight that anomaly. And so, and can you zoom in just a little bit? World, can you zoom in just sure, a little bit on absolutely. that trend? It looks, I could see it from here, but I just want to make sure everyone gets a chance to see it because this is what they were looking for. Is that better? <clears throat> yeah, that's good. Okay, so this particular anomaly that the, that the algorithm discovered, if I have to do a couple things. I gotta determine, is this a, an actual problem on my machine? So there needs to be some validation or feedback from the operators, or if this could be tied to an alarm or a work, of, or a work order. If it is, I wanna say, okay, let's train that. I'm gonna pick a point on that anomaly, and what it's gonna do, it's gonna go directly and create an event, and that event will be tied to that point in time that I'm going to train and it will train that model and it automatically says let me look at an, a, a let me look at a day before that event occurred and I'm going to train on that and so what ends up happening is that you get a an output 
that is trained and that window that it's trained on, it provides you that score. That score is the confidence level that this model, the supervised learning was able to predict that particular classification. So in addition to giving you the score and the probability of predicting that classification, it also gives you a tag ranking. That tag ranking is what we call a contribution to that, to that particular event. What is the ranking of those tags and what was the problem? Almost like a root cause analysis. If I wanna know what particular input or sensor point was the root cause of this particular downtime event, this is what you use to determine that. We can do things like drives. I'll show you one here that was tied to oil analysis. Uh, this is one we did for NASA. NASA asked us to do analysis on their, uh, they have these flywheel generators and they had three uh, vibration inputs. So these vibration inputs uh, were, were analyzed and they were, they were analyzed over time. What I did is I also included the rate of change. So I included the say, rate of change. Excuse me, did you say NASA or NASA like the island in the Caribbean? No, no, NASA is in the, the Cape, uh, the Kennedy Space Center. Oh, at the, oh at NASA. The, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe it's my, it's my redneck pronunciation. Sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> it is at the Cape here in Florida where they have these very massive uh, generators and their flywheel generators. In the event they lose power, uh, they were having issues with this particular generator. This is what it looks like. They had these three uh, uh, vibration uh, accelerometers, one on the base, one on this coupling, and one in this uh, bearing here. And that's, that's what we're analyzing. Those three inputs is what it analyzed. And what it, the algorithm came back is it found these anomalies. And as you can see, some of them were pretty obvious here, but some of them might not be so obvious. And so we trained it on these specific anomalies. We're able to determine those events and when those events will occur. And what you get is eventually is what you get is a, a prediction point of when that problem occurred. So that lead time before failure is the model will predict when did that problem start. So now you will get an alert to tell you, hey, two weeks before that vibration sensor became hot, I could tell you that within two weeks or even a month before it actually starts. The beauty about machine learning, just using three accelerometers, it's very simple to predict that because you're measuring the amplitude or the FFT of that vibration. You can determine that. But what if I added current? What if I added pressure, temperature? If I added other process parameters to this, to this algorithm? Now I can predict that much earlier because typically you will see a, some type of correlation back to the process that you can predict that much, much earlier. For example, did I oh, lose Aldo, a... Aldo, I had to, I had to cut you off because I know Walker has to, has to go here. Um, okay. Unless Walker, no you're able to stay for longer. Cause I mean, this has been an amazing demo so far. And <clears throat> I, no, I really I, like I that NASA other... example. Well, I mean, well, one of the things that Aldo hasn't talked about is, you know, who, who are, who's using Sorba? I mean, so, and, and where did, you know, what use case, I mean, the, 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 the train use case, the, the, mm -hmm. it, that's your, that's your bread and butter, right? I mean, that's your, the claim, Sorba's claim to fame, right? If you yes, correct. give a couple of examples of people who are, who are using, I mean, Sorba didn't just fall off a tournament truck. I mean, uh, real quick question from Ron, technology. Ron Daffo. Yeah. He wants to know you guys are using Google TensorFlow, which I believe the answer is yes. Yes, correct. So we do use open source libraries like TensorFlow. Uh, we use sklearn and some other ones, PyTorch, that are, that are standard libraries that you can implement. So, but again, the beauty about that is that's behind the scenes. You don't see that. If you want to build your own algorithms, you can also import your own um, machine learning algorithms if you want to be able to customize it. Right. But that's, again, the data science world. You don't have to know anything about that. It's all done for you behind the scenes. Another good right, question. And I was going to add, I was going to add to that real quick, Zach, is that that pipeline that all those talking about, right. In, in terms of selecting the tags, actually the the Sorba machine learning pipeline is actually a multitude of, of different algorithms. So you have algorithms focused on selecting and or pre-processing the data. You've got algorithms dedicated and focused on selecting the tags and you've got algorithms, a part of that pipeline as all those showing you the output, that post-processing of the data. 
So it's actually a bunch mm -hmm. of algorithms that are working in unison to one another to get you mm -hmm. the one output that you're looking for. Uh, and and I just want, Zach, Zach, before you ask the question, I, I want to drive home a point here. So for the, mm -hmm. for the viewers, you know, why Sorba? There should, this should be the question, why Sorba? Um, and, and to the person who asked about, you know, are they using Google TensorFlow? Yes, of course. They, I mean, why, you definitely want giants, right? That's, that's the whole idea. What sets Sorba apart is that all of the things that I can do with just a couple of clicks of the mouse in the Sorba platform would take me weeks or months to do manually in Azure or AWS IoT Hub. I mean, if I'm going to build that from scratch, it's going to take me weeks or months. And in Sorba, I can do it with a couple of clicks of the mouse. One of the things that I mm -hmm. learned here that I didn't know, I did not know that we had the ability to let the platform determine the optimal algorithm methodology. Regression, for those who are new to machine learning, regression is probably the most common in, in, in industry where we're trying to predict mm -hmm. We're trying to monitor values to predict a future value, right? That regression, mm -hmm. whether it's linear regression or not, uh, it, that's the, probably the most common. But what Sorbo is, is different is that you have there's this environment where non-data scientists can uh, essentially do in in a few clicks of the mouse what it takes data scientists weeks or months to do manually. Because that's probably where that question was going, but or maybe he was just curious of the underlying technology. One one last question from the audience is, you know, you showed us the tag output path for the predicted failure event. Is there a path to get um, from the system remaining time to failure for unsupervised learning case? Oh, that's a good good question. Very good question. Remaining time to failure for unsupervised learning. What you have to do if you want to, be, if you're talking about being able to predict the anomaly, if I'm understanding the question. Um, and have the remaining time until that uh, predicted failure yeah. in advance. As a tag. It, okay, so in, in that is a tag. So that, that remaining time, it also becomes as part of that, part of that package that gets downloaded to the SDC. You have your, uh, you have your, uh, Yes, correct. You have your time of the prediction itself, as well as you have also the, the remaining time to failure. So Got what it. we call is the, uh, yes, time remaining time to failure is a tag that gets outputted back to the machine learning model. We should definitely do this again. Um, Walker, do you have any, um, what else do you want? Well, I have a yeah, I, I don't, oh, we can, we can fact, keep going what, if you have time. We can keep going. Well, what, well, right what I would really countdown. like, honestly, Zach, what I'd really love to do is I would like the community to stew on this for a couple of days. I want to see, I want to read the comments and I want to see what people gravitate to. What are the, what are the questions that, that the community keeps asking over and over and over again? And then we should do a follow-up where mm -hmm. we address those very, those specific use cases, those specific questions That'll give us a chance to clarify. Because I, I honestly, the truth is, is there's way too much to cover in one hour. Correct. Just, oh yeah. You know, we we just barely scratched the tip of the iceberg here. Um, mm -hmm. well, ultimately, what I wanted people to get away from the our audience to take away from this is when we talk about Sorba IoT as a best-in-class solution, we what we're what we I wanted to highlight what sets Sorba apart. Yeah. So is there any digital courses? on on digital courses on how to learn Sorba available? Well, I was yeah, gonna ask the question, have, uh, where, do you, where do you learn how to use Sorba? Yeah. Uh, AJ can answer this, but we do have some YouTube training videos that you can access online. Uh, and we have some documentation. Uh, that's what we have today uh, in terms of uh, public domain mm -hmm. training material. Yeah, there's, yeah, with the multiple applications, right, of, of the platform, uh, Zach and Walker and those that are watching, we have, have uh, training videos on the SDC, how to configure a box, configure your tags. We have uh, training videos on how to create an algorithm, uh, some of the best practices, because that's really what it is, right? If you're going to come from a controls background to this world of data science, machine learning, you definitely want to follow best practices. And again, to uh, really uh, make sure that when you are ready to go live in production runtime mode, that you got the confidence that you need. So yeah, all of that's uh, definitely in the development, definitely in the making. So be patient with us, but um, again, the whole point of what, what we'd like to accomplish this year is to make sure that 
you know, even with that training, with that knowledge base, that uh, Intellic would definitely, uh, you know, be leading that charge. AJ, hey, can I address your question? Go ahead. And Aldo, go ahead. I was going to just address your original question of use cases, just to quickly identify a couple of really important use cases that that I think it's it's noteworthy is uh, we're 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 looking at a paper machine, as I mentioned, you know, 10,000 inputs, almost 1,200 vibration sensors, and what the whole idea was to can we build a model so that the the intent was can I predict a problem with that paper machine that would give me some kind of leading indicator. And it's not getting too complicated in the technology aspect. We're trying to reduce downtime. And a paper machine, that could be thirty dollars to $100,000 an hour in lost production time. So it's very important for this model, if it can predict a problem before an alarm or before an actual downtime, that's the key. So paper machine is one area. Another area which I think is very noteworthy is optimization. So we're currently working on a project with five boilers, steam boilers, and the objective of that project is to determine can we stabilize the steam and can we reduce the amount of fuel consumption? A, a 4% reduction in fuel consumption to this customer is worth millions of dollars. So if I can take machine learning model, learn the behavior of those steam boilers, and then find an algorithm, an optimization algorithm that I can run to provide what are the optimal settings, and then in real time, be able to predict that and make those adjustments as an advanced control, as an advanced process controller. So those are two really significant use cases where the, the, the payback, the value is, is extremely high. So AJ, uh, AJ, real quick, can you, can you um, what, getting started right now, you know, obviously, we, you know, Sorba's has gone to market and for, for the new user of the Sorba, what is the biggest challenge to getting started in your opinion? Uh, in, in our opinion, really, it's just understanding uh, their, their pain, right? Understanding their business. So we can talk about the technology all day. We can talk about how great IoT and machine learning is. But if you don't really know the problem that it is you're trying to solve and all the metrics and different right. Uh, different steps leading up to that point, it's not going to matter. You really have to understand your problem and your business and how is this technology going to augment that and help you solve solve this problem, number one, at scale and then quickly. So that's, to us, we we have we see a lot of customers like, well, can you help us define that for us? When, when in all reality, I can't go into your ERP system. I can't pull up all those, all those metrics. It's really up to you to define what it is you're trying to do and accomplish with this technology. Yeah. And, and you've Got heard it. of the concept of digital twin. Yeah. This, this is an example of a digital twin where we're predicting all of the different attributes of that motor, frequency, power, your... speed. Aldo. Oh, Aldo. I'm so sorry. Yep. Yep. Um, where was that sucker again? Hang on a second. Here we go. Yeah, here, here's a, an example of a digital twin. Taking that same motor, and trying to predict all the different elements of that motor, current, torque, frequency, voltage, AC and DC, power, speed. You can see from this model here, I've created a model. Look at, this is the real time uh, frequency and I'm predicting the frequency as well. They're almost identical. So this model is able to understand what is, how does, be, how does frequency behave? How does current behave based on different input parameters? And then taking that concept and I'm, and I'm trying to determine what is the optimal speed to give me the lowest power consumption. So this is a very simple optimization, but the key here is having that digital no, it's a, twin. It's incredibly, but it, it, it may be simple, but it's an incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. Huge. Incredibly valuable. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Walker, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll make one more point. You asked, you know, what are some of the difficulties? What I do appreciate, you know, Zach, and what you guys are doing is number one, I think it's a lot of this is with mm -hmm. management, right? So managing these expectations, starting on a small scale and having a, right. a, a repeatable business case you can replicate and talking about your OEM concept, that is huge. So people want to boil the ocean where our focus, and again, having the integration background is where can we come in within a matter of a week, two weeks, help you get started on this digitalization, I think. Correct. Show value. Right, guys, I got to, I got to end the uh, live stream here because I want to respect the viewers time, but.
Aldo, that was an amazing mm -hmm. demonstration, man. And uh, AJ, thank, thank you, you very much. Coordinate it. Walker, you want to close it out, man? I do. I want to thank I, I really want to thank you guys for being flexible with the time today. This was supposed to happen earlier in the day, and it, but because of my schedule, we had to move it. I uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this demo. This, is, this has been more than a month in the making trying to put this together. So we really, truly appreciate you guys taking the time. Next steps, um, I definitely want to do a follow-up to this. So it, I think it's really important for the community to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. What else do you want to see about the platform so that we can do a more focused demonstration? Um, because I assure you, Aldo barely touched the surface here. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, and, and that's really what I'm, I'm looking forward to is the presentation. But I think this has been invaluable. I'm really glad we did it. Thank you very much. And guys, if we did not answer your comments, we're sorry. Just leave them in uh, the actual comments of this YouTube video and maybe share it with a colleague um, and we'll get back to them. Uh, we promise. So we'll see you guys in another episode of the Intellic podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Peace out. Great. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah.